Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about faith, coincidentally. Um, I want to talk to you about moving mountains. I want to talk to you about the fact that you've been called to move mountains. And I want you to become aware that mountains have already been moved in your life. Some of you, where you came from, uh, some of you, because of the things that happened to you, uh, shouldn't even be alive today. You, you shouldn't even be sitting in a church. Some of, some of you were counted out. You got the 10 count a long time ago. But God. But somebody prayed and believed for you. I'm reminded right now about my uncle, my great uncle. His name was Melvin. And he was just a quiet man of faith. Didn't give his life to Jesus till he was old. And boy, he made the last 10, 15 years count. He was the most giving man I'd known. And in my darkest days, he prayed for me. And he would tell my friends when he saw me, he said, how's our boy doing? They said, oh, Mr. Melvin, he's not doing too good. So we're just going to keep praying for him. And I'm here today because of the faith Uncle Melvin had. Come on, somebody. And you're here today because of your Uncle Melvin or your, your aunt so-and-so, right? And so God wants to move mountains. He wants to use you to move mountains because he wants to bring glory to himself. Because, you see, here's the thing. People know that you can't move mountains in your own strength. You've been trying for years to move mountains, and you've gotten nowhere. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk to you about faith this morning, and I want to kind of set it up with a couple of points. Hebrews chapter 11. If you ever need to learn about faith, go to Hebrews 11. You can learn a lot about faith in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. It gives you stories on top of stories of guys who, who walked by faith, who heard a, something from God, and they, they stepped out into it. And so Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says this. It says that faith is the confidence, say confidence, that what we hope for will actually happen. Don't you like the way that sounds? Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. The question today is, what are you hoping for? Are you hoping for something in your marriage? Are you hoping for something with your children? Are you hoping for something physical? Are you hoping for something mental or spiritual or emotional? Are you hoping for a healing? Are you hoping for deliverance? What are you hoping for today? Because whatever you're hoping for, that's your mountain. Don't let the devil tell you that your mountain's just a mohill. And you don't take it seriously. You never know what's on the other side of that mountain moving. Amen? So whatever you're hoping for, faith is the confidence that what you're hoping for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. <laughs> How many times have you been caught in a situation where you can't see your way out? You're like, oh boy, this is it. I can't see it. I don't know how it's going to happen. The economy's a wreck. I don't have a job. How am I going to get a job? How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay my bills? When your teenagers start to rebel and they get caught up in a drug that everybody says, oh, that's the worst drug ever. How's he ever going to get free? How's he ever going to get delivered? It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. That's what faith does. Through their faith, in the people in days of old earned a good reputation. How many of you want a good reputation? Raise your hand. The rest of you will pray for you. And your bad reputation. <laughs> Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Wow, think about that for a minute. How does that, how does that affect your reputation? How does faith affect your reputation? How does faith determine your reputation? Uh-oh. How does it determine your reputation? Because listen to me, the world knows that we're in a crisis. If you want to hear negativity, step outside of these doors and go into the world and you'll hear every negative thing you can ever think of. If you want to hear about a president being bashed, 
Go and listen. You can go to the gas station, and the guy next to you is going to tell you how bad the president is. Right? If you want to hear death and you want to hear negativity, just go into the world and listen. And what you learn about that person, you learn their perspective by what they say. And that starts to develop their reputation. Come on, everybody's got Eeyore in their life. Everybody's got an Eeyore. You may be the Eeyore if you don't have one in your life. Just saying. (laughs) Maybe a few Eeyores in here this morning. Your doom and gloom. I'll never forget, I was at the gas station one time. I love, I love gas station conversation. You know, there's a guy pulls up at the pump next to you, and you're kind of looking at each other. Hey, man, how you doing? Well, he asked me that one day. And for some reason, I started being negative. And the guy turned around and said something positive. And it slapped me in the face. Dang, I'm a preacher. I use that against myself too every now and then. <laughs> like, what the heck's wrong with you? Man, are you saved? I'm like, you follow me? Faith determines your reputation. When you go into work tomorrow, you need to have faith that things are going to turn around. You need to have hope. You need to have this definition of faith right here. In, in, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, that it's the confidence. Your reputation should be covered in confidence. People should, when they talk about you, they say, you know what? T-boy is confident. Confident is not, is not being tossed in here and fro by the waves. Confidence is knowing who you are in Christ and walking forward with some stability and your feet anchored with some confidence and some courage Right? You need to have some courage. You need to have a reputation of faith because there's people in the world, in your world, that are faithless. They have no confidence. They have no hope. They have no assurance. Think about that. Think about the person that doesn't know Jesus. You see, sometimes we get so familiar with with this life called Christianity that we forget what it was like before we knew Jesus. We forget how shaky we were. We forget how when when the least little thing popped up in front of us, we sat down and we cried about it. And we gave up and we threw our hands in the air. So I quit. Life's too hard. So number one, faith gives you a good reputation if you're taking notes. I didn't print them for you today. Faith earns you a good reputation. Faith is saying to God, I trust you. See, I got this this ongoing thing with my son. Is he in here today? Can I talk bad about him? No, I'm not going to talk bad about him. I'm just picking my son has certain things that he's afraid of, heights being one of them. And these days, I don't blame him. I hit the ground a whole lot harder than I used to. And so he's got certain things that he's afraid of. And so my goal, for some crazy reason, is to always push him into the thing that he's afraid of. I don't know what possesses me to do that. I guess it's my vengeance because God's always pushing me up against what I'm afraid of. So yesterday, we, we moved our chicken coop to the new place, and we lost a piece of tin off the roof halfway there. So we went back and got it. It was supposed to rain last night, and I didn't want my poor little chickens to get rained on. So I backed my truck up to the, to the coop. I got some nails. and said, all right, bud, jump up there, because he can stand on the truck bed. I can't. I said, jump up there and nail that down. <laughs> and this is how it works. He starts giving me excuses. Well, you know, Dad, I got the wrong shoes on. Well, you're not quite close enough. And so something rises up in me when that happens. And I'm just, uh, maybe you need this. I'm just helping you pray for me, okay? 
Something rises up in me and goes, oh, no, Jack. You're going to face this fear, bruh. I wonder sometimes, and I'm, I'll prove it to you in Scripture, if God's not more interested in our faith than our actions. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if he's not impressed with our faith more than our actions. Because you see, faith is trust. Faith is confidence. You see, Abraham, remember the story of Abraham? God finally gave him a son at 99 years old. And you're complaining? I mean, think about Sarah. She had to deliver at 99 years old. Come on, somebody. He gets the son, and God's spoken all these promises to him. He's going to be the father of nations. He's going to be this. His his descendants are going to be as many as the stars. And after he's born, God tells Abraham to bring him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Now, a sacrifice is a sacrifice. Something becomes dead in a sacrifice. So Abraham's walking up the mountain, being obedient to God with his only son, his son of promise, with a blade and some wood. And he's walking. Now, I'm sure on the inside, he was nervous. I'm sure he was scared. And just because you get scared and just because you get nervous doesn't mean you don't have faith. As long as you're still walking to the place that God told you to walk to. Right? If I were Abraham, I would have been shaking at the knees. I'd have felt like my blood sugar was low. I'd have been like, oh, Lord, you know, I can't make it up that mountain. (laughs) Thank you. Lord, I got the wrong shoes on. (laughs) Well, that was good. But Abraham went and went all the way to the point where he couldn't see a way out. He had faith that what God told him to do, God could raise back to life. He had faith that God was going to do something. And see, today I hope you get this. I hope you get this attitude that God's going to do something. He's going to make a way where there is no way. There is going to be something on the other side of that mountain. I hope you get an attitude. It's okay to have an attitude, the right kind of attitude. That God's going to do something. And as he rose his hand up to sacrifice his son, off in the distance where he didn't see, he heard a sound. Man, thank God for that sound. God provided. It doesn't matter when he provides. Some of you still mad at God because he didn't provide when you thought he should have provided. Well, you know, God, if you showed up 10 days earlier, I mean, imagine, imagine how Lazarus' family felt. You know, you know, Jesus, four days sooner, and we wouldn't have had to have a funeral. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have had to bury him. You could have just spoke the word. He could have been healed. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? The law was if you didn't bow down to this golden statue, you were going to be killed. (laughs) Right? It's going to be all right, whatever it is. They said if you didn't bow down to this idol, you're going to be killed. When the whole crowd was bowing, They stood. You got to get this. Don't let that become a distraction. That's going to be all right. When the whole crowd was going this way, they stayed this way. 
they literally stood out in the crowd. Not knowing what God was going to do. Not knowing how God was going to provide. Not seeing a way out. There was no plan A, B, or C. Well, if I make this stand for Christ, if I, if I decide to stand with God instead of man, I got option A, B, and C. Um, there was none of that. Right? And they were arrested. And they were brought to the flames. And they were actually thrown in the pit. <laughs> you see, God's got the power to show up in the pit. The same flame that killed the soldiers that were bringing them into the pit was the same flame that set them free and set their bondages free. You see, God's in control of the flame. That's what faith is. Number two, faith alone pleases God. It's one of my favorite verses. Hebrews eleven six, a little bit further down. It says, and it is impossible. Say impossible. To please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. If you want to please God, it's going to require faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. There's only two things that are necessary to trust someone. First one is, is you need to find somebody who's trustworthy, right? And the second one is, is you need to get to know that person who's trustworthy. And through that process, you develop faith or trust in that person. It's not complicated. Faith is, actually, faith is so simple that it's hard to understand. Maybe it's too easy. I wonder if we'd have had to say a certain prayer to have faith, if we would all have more faith. I wonder if we had to skip a meal on Friday to have more faith, if we'd have more faith. Faith is trust. And it's built when you get to know somebody. When you get to know somebody. If you want to grow in faith, you've got to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You got to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So faith alone pleases God. Number three, Jesus is more impressed by your faith than your actions. He's more impressed by your faith than your actions. I'm going to prove this to you. Look at Mark chapter 9. It's kind of been my weak verse for the whole week. Not my weak verse, but the verse of the week. Let me say it that way. Mark 9, 19. Go with me to Mark 9, 19 real quick. We're going to flip around a little bit today. Mark 9, 19, talking about it's the story of the demon-possessed boy. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration where he took three of his disciples with him. And they had an incredible moment with, with, in, the, in the presence of other witnesses. And, and they come down from this mountain and he walks up on the scene and there's a big, big thing going on in the crowd. There's a lot of arguing and discussing and, 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 and just some crazy energy in the crowd and he walks down and he sees his disciples are in the middle of this and he walks down and he goes what's going on and the father of this boy comes to jesus and he says lord would you would you please heal my son he's demon possessed i brought him to your disciples but they they couldn't do anything they couldn't cast the devil out of him watch jesus's response and you got to get the attitude of this response i'm in luke Jesus says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? 
how long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Have you ever given somebody a task or something to do and they keep giving you excuses of why it won't work? And finally, what do you do? Give it to me. Right? Just give it to me. How long I got to deal with you? Come on. Jesus is upset. He's mad. There's no denying that. Listen, you can't say to somebody, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? You can't say that nicely. Right? Try. It won't work. He's upset. He's mad. But why? They were trying. Right? They were praying for the boy. They laid hands on the boy. They did everything that Jesus, they saw Jesus do. They knew all the right moves. But they were missing something. It's called faith. Look at the end of this story in verse 29. Jesus replied, the disciples came to him in private. And they said, Lord, why wouldn't this work? Why we couldn't get this to happen? What's going on? I mean, I mean like, why, why wouldn't the devil come out when we prayed for him? <laughs> Jesus says this kind can only come out by prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. Well, what does that mean? They didn't pray hard enough? Maybe not. They didn't fast enough? Maybe not. What does prayer and fasting do? Come on, somebody. You sleeping this morning? I mean, what does it do? Fa- prayer and fasting brings you closer to God, right? And when you get closer to God, you gain in your faith. You gain in your trust. You gain or you grow in your confidence. When you're close to the creator of the world, you don't have a confidence problem. Come on, somebody. You don't have a con. Why? Because you're in the presence. Prayer and fasting keeps you in the presence of God. What do you need every day? The presence of God. You need to never leave the presence of God. You've been given the right to always be in the presence of God. Three of you agree with that. All right. I'm going to keep preaching. Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to show you Matthew's version of the story real quick because it has a little different twist on it. Matthew chapter 17, starting at verse 14. Jesus comes down from the mountain, sees the crowd. The father comes up. Verse 17, Jesus replies. He said, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Afterward, verse 19, afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Verse 20, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. So if you don't have enough milk at home, what do you do? You go get you some, right? You don't have enough meat. You go get you some. You don't have enough deodorant. You go get you some. For some of you, if you don't have enough shampoo, you go get you some. Right? Whatever you don't have enough of, you're in the habit of going get more. Right? It's just what we do. If you don't have it, you go get it. Right? You don't sit around pouting. I just wish I had some shampoo. I wish somebody would bring me some shampoo. I wish shampoo would just fall from the sky. Go get you some. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. You don't have enough faith. So what do you do? You don't pout about it. You go get you some. Go get you some. Look at what he says. You don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had even the smallest a mustard seed. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. 
Now, what does it mean when nothing will be impossible? So if you don't have enough faith, what do you need to do? Get you some. Get you some. Doug texted me a picture yesterday of Bluebell. It was a freezer full of Bluebell. And when I saw the picture, I went, he's going to get some. So I texted him because I had faith that Doug was going to get some Bluebell. I said, how many are you going to get? He said, none. Man will let you down. But God won't. Jesus was upset with his disciples because they had a faith problem, not because they had an actions problem. For years, I've, I wanted to move in the spirit. I wanted to do things. I wanted to walk in the anointing. I didn't know how. I would watch people. Okay, they pray like that. And when I get an opportunity to pray for somebody, I would pray just like they prayed. And nothing would happen. And I would go, golly, man, am I saved? Do I know Jesus? Do I have any faith? When my faith caught up with my actions, the impossible came possible. Dang, man, I'm preaching way better than you're responding. I ain't going to lie to you. I don't know what's going on. When your faith catches up with your actions, the impossible becomes possible. Some of you are facing impossible situations and you're sitting there like a bump on the log. And you're not responding. Something needs to get inside of you. Dang. Should have preached something else today. Here's the cool thing about the disciples. You need to get this. Here's the cool thing about the disciples. They had enough tenacity to ask why. They had enough tenacity to ask Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the devil? So what does that do for you? It should make you feel a little bit better about yourself. Right? You've been, you've been talking to this mountain in front of you for years. Some of you have learned to live with the mountain. You've decorated it. You landscaped it. You tried everything in your power to live with that mountain. You've become comfortable with the mountain. You've talked about the mountain. And you talked to God about the mountain. Some of you genuinely have for years. You've talked to God about the mountain in your life. God, you got to do this. And God, you got to do that. And God, you need to change this. And God, you need to change that. Look at what Jesus says. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and and the mountain would move. (laughs) You see, you've heard people say, you you need to quit talking to God about your mountain. You need to start talking to the mountain about God. You've heard people say that, right? I say that's wrong. You need to tell the mountain what God already told you the mountain was going to do when you would step out in faith and do it. Right? You need to tell it to move. Too many of us talk to the mountain one day and then we hug the mountain the next day. You got all this, you get stirred up, maybe a Sunday morning like this morning where everybody's all stirred up and you get all stirred up and you go to your mountain and you say, I said to move. And then here comes Monday. I'll never get rid of this mountain. You just sprayed Roundup on yesterday. The power of life and death is in the tongue. If you're going to speak to that mountain, then don't give it a way out. And don't shut up till it moves. Amen? Jesus is more impressed by your faith 
then your actions. So how do I get more faith? Number one, by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by hearing about Christ, about the good news. Here's the thing. The good news about Jesus doesn't just stop at salvation. When people say good news, you think, oh, it's the good news of salvation. Yes, it is, but it's also the good news of deliverance. It's also the good news of raising the dead to life. It's also the good news of the blind seeing. It doesn't stop with salvation. Your relationship with Jesus was never meant to stop with salvation. It was meant to start with salvation. And it's something that you're going to grow in. It's a process. I'm growing every day. Come on. Every day I'm learning more and more how rotten I am. Every day I'm learning more and more how lazy I am. Every day I'm learning more and more how powerful God is. Every day I'm learning more and more how patient God is. I push his buttons. He's got some long suffering. (laughs) He's been dealing with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you read the word of God, you stir up faith inside of you. How can you know what to trust if you don't know who to trust? And how can you know who to trust if you never read about him? Sunday's not going to get you there. I'm sorry. I don't preach that good. You're going to need more than Sunday. You're going to need a day-to-day. Faith grows by hearing the word of God. The more you hear, the more you grow. The more you walk with Christ, the more you grow. Because you see, you got to be careful. When you say something like the more you know, the more you grow. Because then it becomes an intellectual thing. And you start thinking, well, if I memorize scripture, if I hide it in my heart, if I do this, If I do that, if I gain in more knowledge, then I'm going to be better. And it starts, just false pride comes in and it it shanghais you. It it puts you in this thing of, I got to know more to be better. Mm -mm. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And the scriptures always point you to Christ. They're always pointing to Christ. So when you read the scriptures, you need to see Christ in the scriptures. And it needs to get you closer to him. Not just more intellectual. I don't care about what you know. I care about who you know. Come on, somebody. I care about who you know. You can tell if somebody knows Jesus. Versus somebody that knows about Jesus. Because somebody that knows about Jesus loves to tell you what they know about Jesus. Somebody that knows Jesus likes to tell you about what Jesus has done. Likes to tell you about their relationship with Jesus. He spoke to me the other day. He told me to do this. I went here and he showed up. I needed this. I prayed for it. He showed up. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hmm. Number two, faith comes by obedience. Are you willing to do what the word says to do? Are you willing to do what Jesus says to do? You see, it's one thing to know Jesus and to brag about knowing Jesus and say, hey, I know Jesus. But are you close enough to him?
that he knows you and that you respond to what he says? Do you know Jesus by the book and do you know him by what you say to him or do you know him by how much of the book you respond to and how much of his conversation you listen to and respond to? Come on. See, here's what's funny about Christianity is that we have no issues trusting Jesus with our requests. Right? We go to Jesus, Lord, I need, I need $500 this month because I'm running short. I'm trusting you. Right? Because we'll run to him, right? Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, help me here. Lord, help me there. Right? No issues with that. Got plenty of faith for that. But do you stay there long enough to say, Lord, I need this, 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 and this? What do you need? And do you have enough faith to trust him with what he says? I wish I could say that better. You got faith for your request, but you don't have faith for his request. (laughs) You see, I believe that's where we're at as a church today. I believe we have no issues bringing our stuff to God. None at all. Laying it at his feet, saying, God, we need this. God, we need that. I think where we're at today as a church is we're at a place where we need to step into the next level and we need to go, God, what do you need? What do you want me to do? And whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. See, it's a, it's a daily laying yourself down, dying to self, taking up your cross, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm taking up my cross. I'm following after you, right? That's what I believe that's what God's wanting us to do today is to go from having request kind of faith to obedience kind of faith. Let me show you something in Matthew 7.21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, when I get to heaven, I want the cloud of witnesses that's been cheering me on to start hollering. There's that man of faith right there. Come on, come on, man of faith. Right? Boy, that's that's that dude I've been telling you about. That's that faith man. He got faith. He trusted God. He's dumb as a brick, but he trusted God. And everybody thought he was smart. That's the man I want to be. I want to please God with my faith. I want to trust God with everything that I have. You see, here's the deal. I'm not finished walking by faith. I'm just getting started. Everything in front of me It's going to require faith. And if I'll have faith, I'll please God. It's not if I'm successful, I'll please God. It's if I have faith, I will please God. You see, you got to start seeing your problems different. Your problems need to go from problems to opportunities. If you really understand that it's impossible to please God without faith, you'll understand that when something stands in front of you that needs faith, 
it's an opportunity to please God. See your problems different. When the money gets funny, speak to it. Don't freak out. Go to Facebook. Or for some of you, go run back to your mama. I need a bailout. Don't do that. Speak to your finances. When you have health issues that come, speak to them. By faith, speak to them. Stand in faith and trust God. It's an opportunity. Here's the thing. God trusts you with that problem. It's not just an accident. That mountain that rises up in front of you is an opportunity for you to see the hand of God work. It's an opportunity for you to grow. It's not a bad thing. Now everybody else around you is going, oh man, what you going to do now? We're going to pray. And we're going to speak to that thing. And we're going to see a mountain move. Right? Because if you can't see the way out, then the people around you can't see the way out either. But if you'll trust God, you'll find the way out and they'll find it too. And they'll see the glory of God and they'll see the power of God working in your life. Come on, somebody. But boy, if you don't ever step up in faith, nobody sees anything. Right? Growth is not the absence of risk, problems, trials, and pressure. These are opportunities for faith. Don't think, don't think that you've got it going on when there's nothing going bad in your life. <laughs> Let me give you a secret. That's when you need to be on your knees praying the most. <laughs> when everybody likes you, you better be praying because somebody about to stab you. They smiling today. Mm-hmm. Yep, they smiling today. Everybody, you the hero today. You better watch out for tomorrow. Because growth doesn't come when everything's fine. Growth comes when you step out in a risk, when you take a risk on what God tells you to do, when there's problems, when there's trials. That's why James was able to say, count it all joy when various trials come your way. How stupid does that sound to the natural mind? I mean, seriously. Count it all joy when your car breaks down. I'm going to leave you with this last verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I got it in the message translation. I don't always use that translation, but I thought it said it best. Because some of us believe that the problems or the trials or the temptations in our life are bigger than God. And they're not. Why? Nothing's bigger than God. Because he created everything that we can see. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. He'll never let you be pushed Past your limit. I hope you can get this. He's never going to push you or let you be pushed past what you can handle. So that means that whatever it is that's in front of you, whatever it is that you're, you've got hope for to change, whatever that thing is that you see that is so big, it's not past your limit. 
It's not past your limit. That's what the word says. So what do you do, pastor? What do we do? You stand on the word. Lord, your word says that you're not going to let me get pushed past my limit with any test or temptation. So that means that this sap sucker that's in front of me has got to go. Because he's not past my limit. Some of you don't even know where your limit is because you've never tried to push past it. You see, when I worked out in football, we always had to do max. They called it max day. You come in for, for spring football or, or even uh, fall football. You come in early before season starts and everybody has to max out in the weight room. And what they do is they put as much weight as they think you can handle, let's say on the bench press, and you get under there. And if you can get it up at least once, they're going to put some more. Why? Because they're trying to find your max. Because when you know where your max is, you know where your limits are. But if you never push your max, you never get to know what your limit is. You stay clueless. Because you don't know what you can push through. I believe God's got us maxing out today. I want to be overwhelmed by what I trusted God with. I want to look back one day and go, dang, I had faith for that. You see, statistics say I should have committed suicide a long time ago. Because my daddy bailed out when I was a kid, an infant. And my mama raised me. I was raised by women. I even had a gay uncle that used to buy my clothes. I was accused of being gay. And then on top of all that, I played the piano. I should have been a suicidal gay piano player. But boy, let me tell you today. I also played football. I should have been dead. I should have been broke. And broke down. And I should have psychological issues. I look back and I go, I look at what God's delivered me from. I trusted him with my addictions. I trusted him with my failures. I trusted him with my junk. My anger issues. My pervertedness. All my stuff, I'm trusting him with my, with my glutton, with my, not my glutton, but I'm trusting him with my eating habits. I'm not claiming that. I just, I'm just adjusting my eating habits. I am, I'm not a glutton. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him for the future, for me and Cheryl. You see, first it was just me. Now it's me and Cheryl. And then now it's me, Cheryl, and the three amigos. You with me? I'm trusting him for all of us. I'm trusting him for my grandkids. I'm trusting him for my great-grandkids. I'm moving mountains out the way that one day they're just going to tiptoe through. Come on, somebody. They're going to say, man, Papa, it looks kind of funny around here. I'll say, yeah, there used to be a mountain right there. Well, what happened to that mountain? I told him to move. Oh, you mean I can do it? Heck yeah, you can do that. Right? That's what I'm doing with my kids. That's what I'm doing with my son. I'm not mad at my son. I just don't want him to walk by fear. I want him to walk by faith. And if he has to learn that with a stupid chicken coop, then so be it.
without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I know deep down in your hearts, every one of you wants to please God. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. In other words, you're going to live by faith one way or the other. You can try to skip out on faith. You can try to dodge it, juke it, do whatever you want to do to it. You're going to sooner or later have to live by faith. I know a lady who grew up her whole life, never had to use faith. She got in her 40s or 50s, she she had cancer. And her husband said to her, baby, you've been been living on your daddy's faith all this time. Now you got to get your own faith. And And the Lord gave him that word, the just shall live by faith. You will, one way or the other. The thing in front of you is not past your limit. And if you think that's big, move that one out the way. Amen? Come on, worship team. Remember the story when the Roman officer came to Jesus for him to heal his daughter, I believe it was. And Jesus said, okay, I'll go to your house. And, and the officer said, you don't need to come. You just say the word right where you are, and she's going to be healed. That so impressed Jesus that he made the statement, I have not seen any greater faith than this man's faith. He knew the power of the spoken word. He knew the power that Jesus possessed. And he trusted it that he didn't have to have Jesus come and do a song and dance. He didn't need a crowd. He didn't need other things to happen. He just said, speak the word and it'll be done. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith grows in obedience to God. If you'll be obedient to God today, you'll be obedient to God again tomorrow. And you'll continue to grow in faith. You'll continue to grow in faith. And God will use you to move mountain on top of mountain on top of mountain. And people will be drawn to God because they know you're not naturally a mountain mover. But God is. People will be impressed by your faith and your trust. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every mountain that's been moved in my life. I thank you for every mountain that's been moved in Cheryl and I's lives together. You ever drove through the mountains? And when you get to a spot where there was a big ridge or a big mountain, you see how it's been carved out? I don't know if you realize this or not, but somebody went ahead of you and through some sweat, blood, and tears, carved that mountain so that you could drive through smoothly. And it's nice because you get to go faster than they did. You get to drive through and go, man, that's pretty. Somebody moved that mountain so that you could come through it easier. If you don't deal with the mountains in your life, your kids are going to deal with your mountains and their own mountains. But, buddy, if you'll deal with yours, they'll know how to deal with theirs. So if you can't move mountains for yourself, then by golly, move them for your kids. Or move them for the next generation. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. I'm going to pray for you. And right there in your seat, I want to give you an opportunity to respond.
wherever you're at today, wherever this message has hit you, wherever the Spirit of God is dealing with you right now, all I'm asking you to do is respond. Just respond to it. Just say, Lord, I'm tired of living on this mountain. Lord, I'm ready for this mountain to move. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to deny that I've got a mountain in front of me. I'm tired of trying to hide it. I'm tired of working around this thing. Lord, it's time to go through it to get it out the way. Lord, help me to move this mountain. Help me to move this mountain, Lord. Some of us find ourselves today, Lord, like the demon-possessed boy's father. When he said to Jesus, if you can, cast the devil out. And Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? If you'll have faith, I can do anything. And the father said, some of us find ourselves right here. Some of us find ourselves today. I believe, but Lord, help me with my unbelief. So, Lord, today, help us with our unbelief. Lord, I'm so glad that as we step out, that you're faithful and you're just. And, Lord, you're going to show us the work of your hand. You're going to show us your power. You're going to show us your glory. Not only us, but everybody around us. Everybody in our world is going to see the power of God working in and through our lives. And Lord, one day, we're going to stop moving mountains in our own life, and we're going to start helping other people move mountains. And I thank you for that. I see it, Lord. I see it. I see this church helping people in Eunice, Louisiana, and the surrounding areas move mountains in their life. And when their coworker comes and he says, my husband's running around, my husband's doing this, or my teenager's doing this, it's an opportunity for us to stand in, in the gap and stand in the place and say, well, come on, we're going to trust God. Let's see what God's going to do. Let's bring this thing to God. In fact, let's speak to this thing directly and see it move. And we'll start praying for people. We'll start praying at people's mountains. We'll start speaking to other people's mountains. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. And I bless you. And I praise you. And right now, I want you to say to whatever mountains in front of you, whatever that thing is that you're hoping for, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it seems, speak to it right now. Speak to it. Call it by its name and tell it to move right now. Come on, church. Tell it to move. If it's fear, tell it to leave. If it's anxiety, tell it to leave. If it's hurt, tell it to leave. If it's a physical, natural thing, tell it to move. Right now, name it and say so-and-so or whatever it is, move in the name of Jesus right now. Get out the way. Get out the way. You're stopping me. Get out the way. Mountains move. Mountains move. Mountains move in the name of Jesus. Mountains move in the name of Jesus. Mountains move right now in Jesus' name. If it's a financial issue, speak to it. Move right now. it's an insecurity, tell it to move right now. If it's your own image and your own reputation that you're worried about, tell it to move right now. It's better to have God's reputation than man's reputation. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing. 
I thank you that mountains have moved today and mountains are going to continue to move. Thank you that the captives have been set free. Lord, those that were bound and shackled are set free. Those that are hurt, that need healing are healed. Those that are walking with things they don't need to walk with are set free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus.